All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. I say again, even though this is our first podcast, because, well, that's the way it works. This is Big D in the Sleeves. I'm the Big D. Sleeves, say hi to the people. Hey, everybody. All right, that's the Sleeves. Now, a little bit about ourselves. This is a sports talk show, so I think we know exactly where we're starting off. Big Sleeves, what do you think we're going with first? Super Bowl 46. That's the Absolutely. only thing worth starting off the show. All right. Yeah, Super Bowl 46. You know, XL, something or other. It doesn't matter. Best part of that Super Bowl for me, Madonna. Madonna's the best part of the, of, of the Super Bowl for you. Yes. I got there. Yeah, Miranda sh- Lambert, Blake Stanley, open it up with God Bless America. Blake America. Stanley, come on now, big fella. It's big. It's Blake Shelton. Blake, Blake Shelton. Shelton. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm not Blake a country offended. Then you yeah. have, the, 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 you know, and then there was no Christina Aguilera mess up on the national anthem. That's a plus. That's a plus. It is a plus. But I got to tell you something here. When Madonna sings Like a Prayer, it speaks to me. It speaks to you. It speaks to I don't know what it says, but it you speaks know, to me. I'll tell you, the trapeze guy in the tightrope, that spoke to me. I'll tell you, he was about one mess up away from being a eunuch. Anyway. Agreed. Agreed. Well, we, can, we, can discuss, we can discuss the Big D's love for Madonna at a later date. First, we go right into the game. Big game, Giants 21, Patriots 17. Only downside of that game, I still have not seen the Patriots' final drive. You know, and that's unfortunate because I, I'm not a big fan of this move. I understand it, but I'm not a fan of it. They decided they weren't going to stop uh, – they were not going to be able to stop the Giants. So once they – Eli hands the ball off to Bradshaw. Literally, it's like the Red Sea, and he just walks in, realizes what happened, tries to stop momentum, carries him into the end zone. So it seemed to me that the technique, the strategy there was let him go, put the ball in Brady's hands. we got 57 yep. seconds left. Let's march down the field and get a score. Not, not a horrible strategy. I mean, how many people can you honestly say you'd rather have the ball you know, in their hands? Agreed, and I get that. I understand that. I know the Packers did it a little bit ago couple years ago I mean I just I struggle with it because what happened with Cundiff and the Ravens against the Patriots a couple weeks ago I understand it's a lot closer but you never thought that he would miss that kick and he did true and, so, and, and Tynes has missed before and he has missed before but that point is moot they let him walk in they give the ball to Brady Brady tries to march him down the field and like his beautiful wife Giselle Boonchin pointed out a little bit ago after the game at the news call, so uh, get caught wind of. He can't do everything. He put the ball on the money a couple times. They dropped it. I don't know if you remember. That Wells, Wes Welker catch, and I shouldn't say catch, drop, on the drive before the Giants scored, he makes that catch, as Chris Collinsworth pointed out, 100 out of 100 times. Well, And here's my problem with Chris Collinsworth. Clearly, he only makes it 99 out of 100. He didn't make it there, and that's where it mattered. Right. And you know what? What I, what I don't understand is, of all, you know, he never struck me as a guy that shied away from the stage. I mean, he's clutch. He's certainly not on that roster for his tremendous athletic and leaping ability. No, he's on there for sure handedness. He's not on there for size either. Yeah, there were drops all over the field. And again, I'm not taking anything away from the Giants' defense. Uh, did I think they belong there? That's a topic we'll get to in a little bit. However, it seemed what it boils down to is the New York football Giants made the plays the New England Patriots didn't. That's why the Giants had their parade today. It's true. It absolutely is true. And you're, you're going to talk about the Giants. I mean, how many of they've won, what, two of the last five Super Bowls? I guess it's time. Do we talk Giants and Dynasty? Sleeve, what are you thinking? 
that's a great question. Do we talk Giants dynasty? It's been two two of the last five. Yep. The core their core group of guys are relatively young. Everyone's coming back. I mean, the only guy that's in free agency, just like David Tyree four years ago, is Mario Manningham, who made that miraculous catch down the sideline. True. He's the only one on free agency. You have Hakeem Nix and Victor Cruz locked up. You do? Now, the one question, again, which I, I, I surprisingly is not getting the amount of press I think is necessary, is the New York football giants have three tight ends on the roster. Right. right? Beckham, Pasco, and... Uh... Ballard. Ballard, Ballard Right. Ballard, turns out, they just disclosed it now, has torn an ACL. Yes. That's a right? big injury. Beckham tore an ACL. Yep. You lost two of your three uh, tight ends. Now, again, I am not. I know we're going to get to the dynasty conversation based on past and potential for future. But that potential for future, and I know the Giants have overcome injuries before. Heck, Terrell Thomas missed the entire season. A cornerback they had to start someone that they had no intention of starting. However, you lose two tight ends who are that who. Are, you know, not not tremendous part of the offense. We're not talking the New Orleans Saints, and we're not certainly not talking the tight ends in, in New England. But well, they no, nobody's going to confuse any of these guys for the Patriots tight ends. That's those, those guys are wide receivers who happen to be two hundred fifty pounds. That's that's just a freak of nature, right? They're right. two freaks in nature. But you're talking dynasty and how everyone's coming back. And yes, that defensive front four <laughs> can you even call it four because they got six guys that can start anywhere is freakishly amazing. And yep. you don't even have to blitz to get pressure on against the best offensive lines in the leagues, which helps and covers up the warts of a weak secondary, hence the reason why they have the Lombardi Trophy. But True. what I'm saying is, if you're going to go dynasty, and I think they can do it, and I think they could be, absolutely, and I think they deserve the conversation as much, if not more, than the Green Bay Packers. However, well, you have well, two... Well, come on, come on. Wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second here. Forget, forget about the Packers for now. Forget about it. Listen, the Packers are a good team. Packers are a great team. The Packers have young talent. They've got Aaron Rodgers. They've got seven wide receivers, it seems like. They've got everything to go. But you want to talk about dynasty. Who are you going to talk about? Who was the dynasty recently in the NFL? You're going to go Patriots, right? You go Patriots every day. Okay. So, in the four years where the Patriots won three or four Super Bowls, you know what their record was? They were 48-16. and 16. That's a 750 winning percentage. That's three Super Bowls. The Giants from 2007 to 2011. So that's the two Patriots Super Bowls bookending that. 49 and 31. It's a 613 clip. Yes, they won two Super Bowls. But are right, they a and dynasty? That is not, that's not a very high winning percentage. No. It's however, not. are they a dynasty? However, as Go the on. Patriots learned in 2008, what does 18 and 0 give you? Super Bowl. Are the Giants a dynasty? Or are the Giants a team who gets hot at the right moment? Plays down, plays down and dirty at the end, and gets a couple of wins. Listen, this is a team who got a lot of breaks. Yes, they started off injured. They had a lot of trouble that way. Towards the end, though, everything seems to go their way. This is a team with miraculous tactics and miraculous catch. Technical difficulties. We are? All right, you back, buddy. You there, buddy? Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll work on I'll edit that when we get to it. Okay. Um... So, what I, what I was saying, where I was going with that, was the Patriots in 2008 went 18-0 and as they entered their Super Bowl. Correct. They lost that game. Yep. They 18 went 18-1. and 
So, stats, what's that winning percentage? I don't know, pretty high. 93%? Sure, that sounds right, I'll go but with that. But you know what? they trade 92 of those 93 percentage points to win that 19th game. So yes, you can they would. Pa- you can talk winning percentage all you want, and I agree with you. They're a force to be reckoned with every year, and next year, you better believe the Patriots, again, are favored coming out of the AFC East. But what matters? What it boils down to is how many Lombardi trophies do you have glistening in your trophy case at your stadium, and the Giants have two of the last five. And the Patriots, for one stretch there, had three out of four. Agreed. You, and you they were a You can't compare the two. You can't compare the two because the, the Patriots, are they on the verge of a dynasty? Yes. They Are they going to become a dynasty? Yes. Then they became a dynasty. The Giants, two of the last five. Are they, could they be a dynasty statistically? Yes. Are they on the verge of being a dynasty? Yes. Are they going to become a dynasty? That is, remains to be seen. I think right. yes. Okay, that's, that's fair. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit here, a little here about why. Why are the, the Giants going to get there? One of the big things that's really driven them. Beginning of this season, Eli Manning comes out and he says, I'm an elite quarterback too. You know, remember my brother? Forget about him. I am the one who deserves it. Is Eli Manning right now a top five quarterback? Eli Manning right now is a top five quarterback, hands down. The difference between him at five and whoever you want at six is wider than the Grand Canyon. Well, all right, I'll grant you. I'll grant you the difference between five and six is big, which is why I think Matthew Stafford is my five, fifth best quarterback is much better than Eli Manning. Matthew Stafford, great young arm, if I'm not mistaken. I think the young Absolutely. man's only only 22 years old at the end of the season. Phenomenal what he's done at 22 and what he could do for the rest of his career. Oh, potential, scary. potential on him, huge, high, tons of potential. Oh, yeah. but, he stays healthy, hands down. That's exactly what it is. It's potential. You True. can't look at, you can't even compare Matthew Stafford and what he's done to Eli Manning and what he's done. Eli Manning yeah, gets... you can't. Manning's had more time. I get that. He's, he's got the Super Bowls. You know, Stafford, unfortunately, hasn't played as long and has played on the Lions. That's two notable handicaps that are going to prevent you from winning a Super Bowl. I get it. But the fact of the matter is, going forward, you give me an option. I'm, I'm talking about... Just a couple of years here. Who I'm taking as a quarterback, we all take Rodgers one. Period. Yeah, yeah, here's my question, and that's what I was going to get at, Big D. I think let's do this. Let's say, all right, nobody's on a roster. Anyway, right. you and I are above Roger Goodell. We're the lords of the league, and we are going to pick. We're going to draft players starting with, with, with the first pick in the draft. So right now, whatever team it is, you and I are the owners. We're the lords. We make the pick. I think we go Rodgers. Do you agree? I think you have to. How can you not? I think Rodgers with talent. Rodgers has so much time left. Yep. His arm. I mean, his arm, his decision-making, he's got the whole package. He's the real deal. He's number one. Well, this says it all. 45 touchdowns, six interceptions. That is elite. That is elite. Absolutely. And you know... And he hasn't had no knock on Ryan Grant, no knock on Starks, no no knock on Kuhn. No. They haven't had, though, the best running attack the last three years. See, now that's, that's actually unfair. They haven't had the best running attack because they haven't run the ball. They have the ability to run it. When those guys get the ball and they get in space, they make plays. But and for you- some reason... I guess probably because you have Aaron Rodgers and every receiver in the league. You just don't run the ball. They can. They just don't. 
you made a great point. When they get into space, those backs, they make plays. They get into space because of the respect defenses have to give to the man under center. Very true, but I'll tell you what. This is a, those are running backs who are absolutely talented. They're good at what they do. John Kuhn, the, the, big, the big fullback right there, I'll tell you, he's got good hands. He's got good speed. Everybody knows I love a good fullback. I love me some John Kuhn, period. And I agree with you. I think I think John Poon is a, is a great back and a great asset to the to the Green Bay Packers. And yes, so I, I mean it's 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 unanimous. Aaron Rodgers, first pick in the draft, pick number two, the second, the next team. You're on the clock. You submit the paper. Who's on it? I submit the paper. Yes. Big D. Not eligible. Failed. Quadruple test for uh, performance enhancing drugs. Oh, man, I'm not a very good one. I'm still terrible as a quarterback. All right, I pick Brees. You take Drew Brees. 71.2 completion percentage, 5,476 yards, 46 touchdowns, 342 yards a game. You take Drew Brees. You got him. How old is Drew Brees? I don't know, 40, 50. I'm not really good with age. You know, and I think Drew Brees is a phenomenal quarterback. Drew Brees passed Dan Marino's record, which, I'm sorry, you can't be anything less than Herculean talent-wise to get even close to Dan Marino's record, and he did it. Are we in a pass-happy league? Absolutely. Is the average talent level of cornerback down than it was 10 years ago? Absolutely. Is the average talent depth-wise a wide receiver up than it was 10 years ago? Absolutely. Is he in a phenomenal system that's very pass-happy, and he's always had great running backs as far, that are great as far as their ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, so absolutely. He, perfect storm, yes. A lot of things in line with him, yes. However, he's a phenomenal quarterback, oh, yes. He is definitely worthy of a top four pick right now starting a team. He is not number two. Number two. Oof. All right, number, number two, two go for it. If I'm, t- if I'm making the pick, Big D's off the board. He is. I, I run. I don't walk. I run up to the commissioner with my tag, Eli Manning, come wear my colors. You're my guy. I'm on your back. Let's do this. Okay, listen. Big D, I've always, the Big D has always loved Eli Manning. I've always been a big fan. Uh, I've defended him when a lot of Giants fans have hated him. Now, I'm not a Giants fan myself. I am an Eli Manning fan. I, I get it. I love the aw shucks face. I love everything about this young man. That being said... If he is a top five quarterback, he's definitely not a top two. You, can, you, you don't even compare Drew Brees and Eli Manning. Well, you compare them. You are wrong. Eli, you know, Manning, it, could, Eli Manning could potentially solidify his place as a top five quarterback. Potentially. Potentially, my aunt could one day be my uncle. I don't think it's happening. You know, and the odds of that right are very slim. However, you know, I know you have some New Jersey roots to you. I'm not going to go into what I'm implying with that, but you can put a two to two and two together. Hey, we've all been to Jersey. We've all rolled down the window. We've all smelt the air. Enough said. My biggest point with why no, Eli... No, no, no. I'm going to stop you here, Sleeve. I'm going to stop you here. That was hurtful, and I do not appreciate it. There, I said it. You must have been born and raised in Jersey. I was, and damn proud of it. So, you know what? Maybe your aunt could be your uncle. But what matters here, the point oh, I'm now, trying hey now, to make... Hey now, I'm not from Pennsylvania, son. I never heard of the place. All right, move on. Enough, enough little personal attacks here. Move on. Well, we're going to talk about why uh, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Matthew Stafford are better than Eli Manning. Go. 
Right. And I'm not and listen, we're talking about draft. We're not talking about better. We're not talking about statistics. We're not talking about record. We're not talking about credentials. We're talking it is the fall it is the fall spring of two thousand twelve. You got the second pick in the draft. Aaron Rodgers is off the board. You need a slinger to line up under center to build your team around for the next conceivable ten years. I take Eli Manning. Manning. You let me let me all right. What's Eli Manning's touchdown to interceptions this year? You, you know that one offhand. 29 to 16. Right. 29 to 16. Drew Brees, 46 to 14. Tom Brady, 39 to 12. Hell, even Tony Romo's 31 and 10. Matthew Stafford, 41 and 16. You see what I'm getting at here? Oh, Eli yeah. Manning makes mistakes. He's a heck of a quarterback. He put up almost 5,000 yards, 300 yards a game. But I want better than twenty nine and sixteen. You know, and I, I, I understand and I understand that. And those are great statistics that speak to the to the volume the qual I'm sorry, not the volume, the quality level of the seasons that those fellas had. You oh, listed all season. great quarterbacks that had great statistical seasons. Well, I, I don't know if I call Tony Romo a great quarterback, but hell he had a good year. But what I'm looking at is of those quarterbacks. You can even compare. I, I'd even go as far as saying Eli Manning did more with less. And what with more less. did he do? What more did he do? He hoisted the Lombardi Trophy. He was on the on the float at the parade. He's the Super Bowl MVP. Okay. Who are the top three quarterbacks of the New Orleans Saints? Uh, uh, receivers. I'm sorry. The top three receivers, New Orleans Saints. The top three receivers in the New yep. Orleans Saints. I, I'm, su- I'm, I'm surprised you're stopping at three. I mean, All right, you, go. You 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 you're stopping at three. You see those guys. I mean, you got you got Colston, you got yep. Henderson, you got yep. Meacham, you yep. got Jimmy Graham. Now we're not going. We're not going tight ends here. Not tight ends. Top three wide yeah, how receivers. How can you not? How can you not go tight ends? We'll, we'll how get you tight, not go we'll, tight we'll, ends. We can get Jimmy, to tight ends. Jimmy look Graham. at this way. Here's what you're missing, Sleaze. Here's what you're missing. You know what you named? You named three three wide receivers who show up. Every now and then, with phenomenal catches and big games, you didn't name a single guy who's a consistent producer. You didn't name a Victor Cruz. You didn't name a Hakeem Nix. Hell, you didn't even name a Mario Manningham in those three. But you can't. Eli say- Manning has the better top three receivers than Drew Brees. You, you, yeah, listen. We, 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 we can say that now because they had a good postseason. You look at this during the regular season. You can't tell me that Mario Manningham was consistent. Victor Cruz came out of nowhere. No one even wanted him at the start of the year. And Akeem, Akeem Nix is like Plexico Burris Jr. He makes the good ones. He doesn't make the simple ones. That yeah, offense, but he doesn't shoot himself. Valid point. He does, and he stays out of jail. He does, which is, I'll tell you, it's a big part of the game. Fifty percent of the game is staying out of jail. That is a that is a big part of the game. Absolutely. Hey, listen to me, Michael Vick. Too soon. Hey, hide your beagles, Vicks and Eagle. Oh, oh all right. Boy. I'm just saying because it is what it is. But you it go is. back to what Eli Manning did with what Eli Manning had. I mean, Ahmad Bradshaw was the Giants' leading rusher with under 700 yards. Ahmad Bradshaw was injured and not Brand- featured back for all the whole. Brandon team. Jacobs had less than 600. Also didn't play the whole season, spent most of the time as a backup. As a team, as a team, you had less than 1,500 rushing yards? Come on. All right, fine. That doesn't change the fact that, listen, you look at the the Saints wide receivers. They are talented wide receivers. But you know what they are? They are home run threats. That's all they are. 
These are the guys who come up to the plate on, on steroids and they either hit it 500 feet or they swing so hard they fall on their ass missing. But see, the thing with that is you can send those three guys deep because you have Jimmy Graham and Darren Sproles to dump the ball off to underneath. Think about that. You can send three guys down the field and you get the ball to Darren Sproles. Heck, he's going to duck in be- under your jockstrap in between your knees and you ain't going to see him. The whole oh, You can't catch or tackle what you can't see and no one can see or catch Darren Sproles out of the backfield. Right. I mean, I'm telling you. I'll tell you what, though. For as, for as big of a, the, the home run guys and Breeze just sends the guys deep, who has more yards per attempt this year? Eli or Drew Breeze? Who has more yards per attempt? Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Eli because he's, no, he's got no underneath throws to throw to because Brandon Jacobs c- couldn't get open if he was being covered by a palm tree. Well, that's not fair. The palm tree's got great reach. You know, I don't know what they have in the water down in Florida where they grow those things when the coconuts fall off. What I'm saying <laughs> is there is absolute Eli Manning had nothing to work with all year. Nothing. Nothing. You, you, Victor Cruz and Hakeem Nix are nothing. Listen to yourself, Sleaze. I, I'm telling you. He, 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 look at that offensive line. All right, I'll grant you a bad offensive line, but it's not like the Saints are exactly falling all over themselves to hey, protect their quarterback. Drew Brees ja- sacked 24 times. Jari Evans, a perennial pro bowler on that line. Perennial pro bowler. Manning's only sacked four more times this year than Breeze. It's, it's only like Breeze is sitting here getting safe. He's got a little Peyton in him. He knows when to unload it. He does. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But you don't want to talk about the Saints like they've got this insanely good offensive line and the Giants don't. The Saints' O-line isn't all that great either. Then you know what? Up. You know what, my point, and here, here's where I'm going with this. You make great points, and because I love you so much, Big D, I am leaving Drew Brees on the board for you so you can take him at number three. All right, I appreciate that. But I'll tell you what, though. After that, what are you going? You got, you got to go Brady, Brady four? I think, I'm, I, you know, I, I think maybe Brady ahead of Brees. I like Brees better. Brees has got a better-looking son. Brady's got a better-looking wife. You go either or. With that one, I take the fourth pick, give up the three, and I'll take the I'll, I'll take the leftover. I'm fine with it. All right. However, Peyton Manning healthy, maybe a tougher conversation. Maybe he sneaks into three or four. But oh, right. well, Peyton Manning healthy changes this whole thing. Peyton Manning's healthy. I absolutely drop Eli Manning out of the top five. Right now, I got Eli Manning fifth. You put Peyton in there. Eli Manning's not a top five quarterback. I I, I love you. I respect you. Matthew Stafford isn't even in the top seven. I got no words. I got no words. I wish I wish I could throw 5,038 yards and 41 touchdowns and not even be in a conversation. I wish. Hey, hey he's got Megatron. He's got Megatron. I, I'm, I, I could get in there, take a couple snaps, say hi to the fans, hug a cheerleader, and throw seven touchdown passes because I throw the ball up in the air, Megatron comes down with it, period, end of story. If you I'm not mis- reach Megatron. Well, I get a running start. No, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So, if I'm not mistaken, I think that I think that ta- that taps it off for the NFL. Am I right? Um, I think that sounds about right. All right, that wraps up the NFL for us. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. We're going to talk a little NBA. All right, I'll, I'll go with that. Now, remember, you're listening to Big D and the Sleaze. Get big or get sleazy. All right, we'll be right back. Life is a mystery. Everyone must stand alone. I hear you call my name, and it feels like. 
Welcome back, sports fans. You're listening to Big Dean the Sleaze. We're going to talk a little NBA before we get started on the big topic, which obviously is Kobe Bryant passing Shaquille O'Neal, moving up to fifth all-time on the scoring list for the NBA. Big D, you're going to bring a little uh, little knowledge and statistics down from the Boston area. That's true, actually. Now, obviously, the, uh, the Big D is a Celtics fan, so it's uh, something you gotta you got to work on every once in a while. It's been hard years, and one of the things that made it uh, so so good for us as, as Celtics fans before the Big Three, before the championships, and it was it was Paul Pierce. Paul, Paul Pierce was the heart and soul of that team. You know, he was worked he his tr- ass off. He's he the was truth. the truth of that team. He is yeah. the truth of that. He's the truth of any team he's on. Uh, and right now, Paul Pierce has actually passed Larry Bird, Larry Legend himself, as the number two all-time scorer in Celtics history. Number two behind none other than John Havlicek at 26,395 points. So, hey, Paul Pierce in good company with Larry Legend and John Havlicek himself. Yeah, so, not not bad work. Not a bad career right there. No, not bad at all. But we're, now we're, let's move to what happened on the West Coast. I'm sorry, I should say East Coast because it took place in the, the city of brotherly, brotherly Love the other night on Monday night where Kobe Bryant uh, actually passed Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, in the first half, ended the game, and and so far stands at 28,601 points, fifth all-time, about just a little under 2,000 shorts of guy in fourth, a guy by the name of Wilt the Stilt Chamberlain. So my question to you, Big D, he's fifth fifth all-time in scoring. He's 10,000 points behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. All right. All Kareem right. Abdul-Jabbar is first at 38,387 points. That's a lot of points right there. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I couldn't even come close. That's a lot of points. Now, Kobe Bryant is averaging 25.4 points a game. All right? All right. He's, ten, he's just under 10,000 points doing the exact math. Please. At, yeah. Uh, question for you. Are you showing technical difficulties here? I am not. All right, it's just me. I apologize for everybody. We're going to move right along uh, and pretend I didn't just make an ass of myself. Continue. Moving on, minus the cursing. Here we go. So Kobe Bryant's now fifth at 28,601 points. Kareem yep. Abdul-Jabbar first, 38,387. If you take Kobe Bryant, who's currently averaging 25.4 points per game, Doing the math as I do with that education I got up in Northeast Pennsylvania, it looks like Kobe will need 385 games and a quarter to tie Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at 33 years old, Big D. Can he do it? Well, the first thing is, I mean, you started off, you said Kobe Bryant, you know, uh, passed Shaquille O'Neal. 
And that's the only time Kobe Bryant, past Shaquille O'Neal, have ever been in the same sentence. <laughs> that's a I good mean, point. Really, it may be the only time Kobe Bryant and past has ever been in the same sentence. Now, obviously, I, I've never been a big Kobe Bryant fan. Uh, I've never uh, liked I respect the talent level. Um, I do. You know, I, I got a little sick of him after the whole trial thing. And, you know, people would say, oh, he's got such courage. Look at him. He's going right from court to the game. You know what takes courage? Not getting arrested for being an idiot. That's number one. Number two, can he do it? It's a good question. Kobe Bryant has all the talent in the world, but here's what you're forgetting. You're saying, okay, what, 25.4 uh, per game right now. That's what he's averaging over that's his career. That's Kobe Bryant. Over his career. Oh, over his career, okay. Uh, that's, so that's Kobe Bryant over his whole career. Now, can Kobe Bryant keep that going? Players decline. You got to factor in. You get now. I wouldn't be able to figure this out. I am not uh, that much of a stat nerd that I can do this. I, I know it's it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. I don't believe it a little bit. Very hard to believe, right? I am a nerd. I mean, we're not going to deny that. But you got to look at the fact that Kobe Bryant is going to be on a sliding scale. That number, that twenty-five point four, is going to get a little bit lower, a little bit lower, a little bit lower. And and we're we're here assuming he stays healthy for four point seven seasons. Also true. So you got you got you need him to stay healthy for for almost five more years, and healthy and averaging twenty five point four. Frankly, and how old is Kobe Bryant last? Thirty three. Thirty three years old. So you want Kobe Bryant to play four more full NBA seasons, basically, or I'm sorry, almost five more NBA seasons, at full health, not miss a game, and get twenty five point four. It's just I don't see it happening. Maybe you know, I don't want it to happen. Maybe I don't think it's going to happen. I say Wilt stays in charge. You know, you mean you mean Kareem Abdul-Jabbar stays stays. Right, in that's what I said. Right. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's right. I can edit that later. Right. Okay. I so won't, you know, but you, I could. You look. You look at it. If you add the 385 games left, or that he would need at at a clip of 25.4. Understand. Strong assumption. We're just going to go with that for simplicity. Go for it. You add those games together, that puts him at a career total of 1,513 games, which yeah. is still 47 less games than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar needed. So you take in the decline, the sco- points per game come down, sh- clearly probably going to need more games than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had. So using those statistics, I frankly don't think he's going to do it. One quick thing, fun fact. People c- compare Kobe Bryant to Michael Jordan all the time. Would you agree with that? Oh, they're both jerks. Michael Jordan. You got me speechless. They compare Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant as far as athletic basketball prowess, the greatest of all time. Michael Jordan still considered to be the greatest. Kobe Bryant is usually discussed at that number two, maybe number one. Does he pass him? Despite the fact that most people don't like him, one of the most hated players in all of sports, he's he, he's right there. He's the only one that's even come close to challenging Michael. LeBron, maybe, who knows? That's another story. Well, here, However, here's my problem here. You're working off a false assumption. You're telling me Michael Jordan's the best. No, no. Michael Jordan is the second best back, third best of all time. You know who's better? Larry Bird and Larry Bird's enormous nuts. I guess that makes Jordan fourth. <laughs> you know, throwing a little geography, a little anatomy, and a little statistics, calculus, math at me kind of got me off guard. But, again, you know, you're looking at Larry Bird, 28th all time in scoring. We're talking about pure scoring prowess. Yes, but Larry's white. He's clear. 
Clear. Ah, Space Jam. You know, reference. I, I look at it this way. Here's a statistic that I wanted to reference that I think needs, is worth mentioning. Kobe Bryant's fifth all-time, 28,601 points with eleven yep. with 1,128 games played. Michael is 4,000 more points, and he's already, already played in 50 games less. He stopped at 1,072. He stands at his career points per game at 30.1. He, Wilt Chamberlain, also at 30.1 or 3-4 and all-time scoring. Nobody else on the list comes close with the next best guy at 27.4 points per game that's on the top 30 of all-time scoring leaders. Well, you got to look at not only is Jordan the best because of his pure ability there. You know what else Jordan did? Jordan took a team, the, the Bulls here. I mean, this is look, they had some talent on that team. Without Michael Jordan, that's a whole bunch of world's tallest domino delivery boys. All right? That's the fact of the matter. Michael hey, I Jordan. Like me, I like me some cheesy bread delivered with style and swag. So. I do. Listen, if Dennis Robin wants to deliver me cheesy bread, I'm all for it. But the fact of the matter is, those teams are not those teams without Jordan. He can score. He did it all. The fact that I may not like the man is irrelevant. The man could play basketball. Period. Period. Game ever. He's the greatest of all time. I think these statistics prove that Kobe, no matter how great the rest of his career is, and yeah, and it could be great. You know, he was asked, how do you feel about moving up to number five on the scoring list? And you know what he said? Oh, I only care about number six, meaning the sixth ring. He's only focused on winning. And, you know, a fun fact, you just mentioned a man, Larry Legend himself, Larry Bird, in an interview with our esteemed colleague Bill Simmons at ESPN, had a conversation. Simmons brought it up to him, and he asked him, who would you, if you could choose any current player that you'd like to play a season with, who would it be? That's what Simmons asked Bird. I'm going to quote directly Bird's response. Go well, probably Kobe because of the fact that, well, of course, he wouldn't have been shooting as much as he does now, but his desire to win, his dedication to always get better, and he just he's just tough, Bird said. He's just a tough cat. Well, with all due respect to Larry Bird, he's wrong. The correct answer, what current player would Larry Bird most like to play with, is Larry Bird. You know, but... Yeah, well, Larry Bird's not exactly a current player. I mean, his ghost Larry Bird is always current player. Larry Bird is always a current player. You know, the, the, as it's the same. opinion of Big D, Big D knows what's big, and Larry Bird's big. He's, he's still big. on the court up. He's still on the court up there. Hey, listen, you're telling me with all the other forty-year-old men, but the Celtics put out there, we can't just throw in Larry Bird too. Why not? All right, but that's enough about Larry Bird. That's enough about that. Here's my question for you. You're a, you're a Pennsylvania guy. You're a Sixers fan. Where did this come from? Who are the Sixers? They have Elton Brand and who? What the hell is going on in Philly? You know, and that's a great question. I'm ask, I've been asking myself that all season long. It makes no sense. The teams they beat, frankly, they got no business beating. The teams that they blow out, they have no business blowing out. They don't have the offensive power to take anyone in the NBA, turn them on their heels, and kick them right out the building, and they've been doing it all season. It makes no sense to me. You know, they in comes the powerful Lakers. Now, yes, I understand people are saying the Lakers are struggling on the road this year, haven't quite found their rhythm, new system, new coach in Mike Brown. It doesn't matter. It's still the Philadelphia Sixers that are just taking it to everybody. 
I mean, let's look at this win. They got a win against Chicago. They got wins against Atlanta. They beat the Lakers. You know, they beat Atlanta a couple times. Yeah, it's it's just you know I understand the two losses to Miami, which hey you got to beat Miami if you want to be a beast from the East. But the fact that that they they have the record they've had, you know they're standing tall. They're, I don't get it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. They're winning games. I don't think they have any business winning. They're winning them. You know what they are? They are the David Eckstein of the NBA. Fundamentals, teamwork, passion, dedication, intangibles, and defense. You do realize David Eckstein is four foot seven, right? I do. You know, okay. I do. I do realize that, and that's a good. That's a. It's a good point because you know this isn't the tallest bunch. Yeah, they got they got Spencer Hawes who can never stay healthy. They got Nikola Vucevic, both seven footers. He's a rookie. He's unproven. Their power forward Elton Brand stands a stands a daunting six foot seven, six foot eight, which is the average height of the small forward in the NBA. Andre Iguodala, great small forward, good leader, not a strong shooter. Jody Meeks, good shooter, no handle, weak defense. Evan Turner, great defense, great mid-range game, good finisher, good creator, not a straight shooter. Drew Holiday, a good point guard, has got all the skill sets. He's young, he's raw, he's 20 years old. I don't understand how they're doing it, but they're doing it. You know, is it a testament to Doug Collins? Is he making his third or fourth or 13th coaching stint? Maybe he's got these guys. I don't know what it is. I know one thing. They're winning. They're winning games that last year they had no. They weren't even in. They're playing good team defense. They're the number one defense in the league, Big D. The number one defense in the league without a proven shot blocker. I mean, listen, defense wins championship games. Now you can say it in any sport. It always remains true. I mean, if you think about it. Who on that team blocking shots? Ellen Brand. What is thirty-six for the season? I don't know anyone else that really does a whole lot. But Spencer Hawes gets blocks. Their big center gets blocks. That's but true. Not that's true. No. Not enough. Did. Listen, he's no Serge Ibaka. No one's a Serge. So uh, the Dikembe Mutombo was no Serge Ibaka. Yeah, that's that's probably not all that true. I mean, what Serge Ibaka is averaging almost three blocks a game right now. Right. Now, obviously, blocks are a big part of defense. But it, it's it's interesting to see the Sixers team. Uh, going out there, they're not going to get the block shots, but they're going to they're going to shut you down. They're going to still do what they have to do, and it's you know it's impressive. But really, that's that's all the positives I can say. They are still from Philadelphia. I still don't like them very much. Hey, their, col- their colors are beautiful. They got great tradition. They got a new ownership. They making, they're making the games fun for fans, fun for kids. It's a good venue. Fun fact: Here's a little statistic coming at you, Big D. Right. They're leading points per game. Their player with the most points per game is Lou Williams at 15.5 a game. Doesn't even start. See, now Lou that's Williams impressive. That's played, impressive right there. He's played me. at 25 games. All right. He started none. He started none. And the best part is he's not even in the top seven for points per game. That, see, that right there, that's impressive to me. You look at his points per minute, it's stupid. You know, and that's a fun aspect, something no one thinks about. And I don't know if it's coaching by design. I don't know if it's an oops, hey, I got lucky, look at me. But Doug Collins is just beating on the other team's best leading score, beating on him, beating on him, beating on him, putting Lou Williams in for two minutes in the first quarter, minute and a half in the second, three minutes in the third. And then he's playing all of the fourth. Your scorer, your attacker, your your your, your backbone, fresh legs for 12 minutes when, the, when whoever's got to cover him has been getting beaten up for 36, that's not a bad strategy because he can get hot without playing three quarters. 
All right, I'll tell you what, though. As as much as the Big D here loves to talk about basketball, here's what we're going to do, and I, I'm sure you're going to be with me on this one. We're going to wrap up basketball here. Uh, we're going to take a quick quick break here. We're going to get some more uh, musical interlude for you. I'm, I'm sure you all enjoyed the, uh, the hardcore punk version of Madonna a little bit before. Uh, we're going to bring some more your way. Maybe Madonna, maybe not. We'll figure it out. We come back, it's hockey time, and that's where the Big D is going to shine. So please say goodbye to the people for now. Guys, enjoy the music. Stay right here. You're listening to Big D and Sleaze. Hey, go big. Or get sleazy. You know it, gentlemen. All right, we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Big D in the Sleeves. We're going to go on a little bit about hockey now. Specifically, we're going to talk about those New York Rangers. And what they're doing right now, they're having a hell of a season. You know, they've got some good young talent, good young defensemen, some strong forwards. But what's really, really killing it for them right now is Hank. Henrik Lundqvist has been one of the best goalies in the league. He doesn't get any credit. And yet... He continues to just go in there and and absolutely dominate other defense. I'm sorry, other offenses, and that's really what what keeps the Rangers going here. But yeah, so to not even be nominated now, Hank, this is a hell of a goalie right here. This is the hell of a talent, and he's a big reason that the Rangers are doing well. Now, the other thing you have to take into account: this is a blue collar team. They they block shots. They they don't have you know your star players. Yes, you've got Marion Gabrick, but you, you don't have you know, the Aveshkins or the, the Sidney Crosbys. This, this is a team who builds very similar mold to the Bruins from last year. Good goaltending, good defense, strong play from all your forwards. No one guy does it all. And that's, to me, that's that's what you got to look for in a team that could possibly go all the way. Yeah, you're talking about going all the way, and I understand what you're saying. The Rangers are in first. They got 71 points, like we mentioned earlier. The only thing that th- about this team that scares me a little bit, the only thing is there are only five teams in the entire Eastern Conference that have scored fewer goals. The New York Rangers are in first place with 141 goals. 141. Big D, that is 39 behind the team sitting directly behind him in the Boston Bruins. This is true. I mean, the Bruins, you want to talk about uh, good offense, good defense, a bit of a mix here. The Rangers have allowed 103 goals, ridiculously small amount of goals. They're playing great defense. Fine. The Bruins, in one more game, have allowed eight more goals. They've also scored, like you said, 39 more. This is a team with a plus 69 point differential. Plus 69. Yes, the Rangers are plus 38. Yes, their goaltending is there. Do they have the offense to carry them? They are one of the highest point differential teams. The only two teams higher are Detroit at 43, Boston at 69. Will their offense keep them down the stretch? I think it will. I think Hank and I think Marty Barone are going to keep them in games. I think when their offense isn't quite there, I think their defense and their goaltending is going to keep them going. I, I just don't think you can count uh, this team out. Either I, I mean, either of them, really, Bruins or Rangers. You know, and it's funny to hear you, you, know, you speak how, you know, adamantly about how you feel they're going to last and how you feel they're going to be there. And listen, when Martin, when Martin Biron is your backup, yeah, I know, he's old. He's like 34 or something, I believe. But when he's your backup, that's pretty impressive. However... However, and this is a big however, call me biased, there is no chance the Rangers even go to the cup with an offense like that. I'm sorry. you got to put the puck to the twine more than how they are right now. It's a fact of life. In 51 games, they got 141 goals. That isn't getting it done, period. I'll tell you what. You know what, this, well, you know what I'm hearing here? All I'm hearing is, yeah, you're talking about the Rangers. All I'm hearing is, hey, I'm a Flyers fan, and I wish my million-dollar man was playing. Like, that's all that I'm hearing. You want to talk about goals? You want to talk about scoring? Play Ilya Brzgalov. 
see what you do for your offense that way. What do you think about that one? Hey, you put you you, you put Briz, Briz, whatever it is, Briz, Go, Love, Less, Can't Stop a Puck, whatever his name is. You put him between the pipes. I'll be tickling the twine every minute and every second of every period. He's terrible. He was a terrible hire. And once again, it proves that the Philadelphia Flyers cannot and never will have a goaltender, period. It's not going to happen. You pay the guy $51 million for nine years, great. That's exciting. That gets talent, except when you're, you're look, looking for people to play to play between the pipes for Philadelphia. It doesn't matter who. You could take Henrik Lundqvist, sign him to the Flyers, and he will stink for four years. It's a fact of life. I'll tell you what, though. You want to talk about it's a bad hire. You look at what Rizgalov did last year in Phoenix. We're talking a 248 goals against average. Not great. A 921 save percentage, though. The year before that, 229-920. 15 shutouts the last two years. This is a goalie who was playing at the, the, the peak of his ability. What's killing him now? The man is a head case. He's an entertaining head case, but a head case. This is a guy who went on HBO and talked about how his dog was a blue-eyed blonde woman. See, We're going to let that one sink in. Just blue-eyed blonde woman talking about his dog. You're, you're going to come to a point that when a Philadelphia sports guy, sports player, sports athlete, sports person, whatever you want to call Brzgalov and Vince Young, when they make comments, you don't listen. They talk, we cover our ears. Fact of life, you got to do it that way. The, the the frustrating thing, though, with Briz is, is, is he had, like you said, a good career in Phoenix. But career, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't, you know, I'm not sure if you by any chance watched him last year's postseason. He played in, he started four games. He was 0 for 4 with a goals against average of 4.36. Huh. Yeah, not a good, good stretch right then. Now, no, and you're, you're signing a guy because, listen, you are not, and again, no offense. I'm not trying to offend anybody. Well, who are we kidding? Of course I am. Of course I am. You're not the Buffalo Sabres. You're not the New York Islanders. You're not the Winnipeg Jets. You're not the Florida Panthers. It's not good enough just to get to the postseason as a Philadelphia Flyers goalie. You gotta win the postseason, baby. And when that when the lights are on, when the pressure's on, he folds like a deck of cards. You know, I mean, you could say that, and that's, you certainly have a good case for it. I mean, you look at his postseason numbers last year, uh, it's exactly what you said. He had a 4.36 goals against, uh, an 8.79 save percentage. But you want to look at his total overall career in the postseason. 2.55 goals against, 9.17 save percentage. This is not a guy who overall has folded. This is a guy who had a rough stretch of it last year, who absolutely struggled. And yes, he didn't get it done. That is absolutely true. But hey, this is not a guy who's... What's that? It's professional sports. What have you done for me lately? And what true. has he done for me lately? Nothing! Well, he's done a lot of things for you lately. They've just all sucked. You know, hey, listen, I've had enough of it. I'm sure you could add one more ticket. One more dollar per ticket to all of the fans. Actually, i got a better idea. Give all the fans free popcorn. Take the guys that walk up and down the aisle selling the popcorn and try them at a goalie. I guarantee you they'll be better. I'll tell you, here, and here's the scary thing about it. 
the best goalie on the Flyers right now, the best goalie, Sergei Bobrovsky. That's Bob. right. This is a man with a... I don't even know what he is. He's a 23-year-old. He's a young kid. We've seen him fold in the postseason. We've seen him fold in the regular season. We've seen him struggle. And I'll tell you what, right now, he's your best goalie. His regular season numbers last year weren't bad. As the starter, this is a guy who went 9-15 save percentage, 259 goals against. Uh, he went 28-3. and Now, you want to talk about the postseason? Fine. He didn't do so well. 0-2 against the Boston Bruins, 877 save percentage. That's the national, I mean, that's the NHL champions right there that he played. That's a tough stretch for a kid. As a rookie goaltender, you almost got to wonder, does Bob Rowski, from here on, should he get the bulk of the starts? He started 17 games. He's 11-5. and five. He's looking much better than Brzezgalov. What do you think? I would, like I said, I'll... I'll take Sergey Sergey Bobrovsky's mom over Ilya Brezgalov. I don't want to see that man between the pipes. You paid him fifty-one million bucks. Let him do something. I don't care if he cleans the ice, mans the elevator, or serves beer to the wealthy corporate guys up in the boxes. I don't want him in orange and black. I don't want him between the pipes. Period. I'd take Hank the goalie Goldberg over him right now. Oh, the Goldberg, Goldberg, the goalie, though. I'll tell you, he made some clutch saves. Uh, I think he made three or four of them in the entire series, but uh, they were clutch. Three or four more than Briz made. Well, to be fair, Briz has made a couple hundred this year. But, hey, he hasn't made them when it counts. Listen, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about one more topic here before we sign off for the night. I think it's time to talk a little bit of NCAA football now. I'm a Jersey guy. I'm a Jersey-born, Jersey-bred, and I am a Rutgers fan. Have been for a long time now. We're going to talk a little bit. I know it's not breaking news here. I know it's not the most current, but I want to dwell on it here. I want to talk about Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano, the former head football coach at the University of Rutgers, home of the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, Greg Schiano making moves, making changes going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In my mind, Tampa Bay was searching for the next Jim Harbaugh. That's what it comes down to. They saw what Harbaugh did at Stanford. He made the move to San Francisco. We know what San Fran did, the 49ers, making it to the NFC Championship game, coming out as as, wet, as champions of the NFC West. Great season. He did it all, they say, with not much, taking Alex Smith, a much maligned quarterback, rough couple, about seven years, not not not. Good, good, not a great seven years. Gets to the NFC Championship game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers wanted to do the same thing. They thought they had their man in Chip Kelly. At the 11th hour, Chip Kelly pulls back. Hey, my heart's in Oregon. I want to stay with the college game. That's fine, Chip. All well and good. Go back there. Tampa Bay goes. They get their man, their second option. Greg Schiano made Rutgers relevant. As a Jersey guy, you got to be happy. you got to respect what he did for that program. You absolutely do. And I'm going to agree with you here. It's, It's the perfect example he came in here. We were nothing. We were, we were a joke. You know, I remember when I was uh, young, this is in the 90s, I think we played Michigan State. Uh, and they, they ran an article in their school newspaper. It was called, What's a Rutgers? You know, What's a Rutgers? That's the respect we got. Now, we won that game. You know, in the Rutgers newspaper the next week, you know, I had a nice big article. I guess Michigan State knows what a Rutgers is now. But I'll tell you what, outside of that game, you look at this program, and it's it's downhill. We went downhill since our first game in 1869. We never quite got back to those standards, and we never did anything. You bring in Shiano. 
This is a man who is committed to winning. He's been a good guy. He's recruited well. He's developed the state of Rutgers here in the tri-state area. He has done a ton. Do I like the way he left? I don't. He was unfortunately unable to tell his assistants before the news got out, but they were unaware he was even considering the job. They showed up for a recruiting trip only to find out while they were there that their head coach had been hired by an NFL team. And that's a big blow for Rutgers. We brought Coach Flood in there. We got that recruiting class 24th in the country, according to ESPN. I'll tell you what, that's the best class in history. I don't like the way Shiano ended. I like what he did. And the whole country, they know what a Rutgers is right now. Greg Shiano, well done. Thank you for your years of coaching. Good luck in the NFL, sir. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I understand. If we've, we've heard that argument a lot. People, you know, everyone's got an opinion. Everyone says, oh, I don't like the way he left. I don't like this. But, you know, it's funny. Everyone's got an opinion when it's not them. And you look at it, the fact of the matter is, the, the one story that, that I heard that, that, that kind of sticks with me, that seems to make a little bit of sense, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying it's accurate. For years, there were talks, there were rumors, Greg Schiano is waiting, he's going to Penn State to take over that program. Did I think that was accurate? No, maybe, who knows. But hear me out on this one. That, and we're not going to go into what happened at Penn State. We're not. not. We, that's, we're absolutely going to forget about that for now, but right. we'll talk about Schiano here. Penn, so, Penn State has a, a coaching position, Joe Paterno, he's a legend, he leaves. They go out, they have a search. The search doesn't even include Greg Schiano. Greg, the, the Penn State job is filled. The, what well, some people say, dream job for Greg Schiano. All of a sudden, that job's filled. Next offer that comes along, as far as we know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he takes it, he bolts. In your mind, being a Jersey guy, do you think he was at Rutgers to do some great things in anticipation that eventually he could prove his worth and get offered the Penn State job at cannot be argued a better program than Rutgers uh I listen you can make that argument uh he is a Jersey guy obviously he's not you know a Rutgers grad he doesn't have that tie to the program he did of course rise uh originally as a coach uh as a defensive coach with the Penn State Nittany Lions so he does have a big tie to that organization there's no denying it. The guy had connections there. Uh, that being said, Greg Schiano, the type of guy he is, I got to I got to tell you, I don't know that he even takes that Penn State job if it's offered to him this offseason. Here's why: Yes, it's a dream job. Yes, that's what people said he wanted to do. Yes, that's where he. That's not the kind of coach Penn State's looking for right now. Penn State is just looking for a coach that's going to tide him over for a little while. I think. And I don't think Greg Schiano, the, the type of guy he is, would be all that willing to go back to a program that, no matter how storied it is, no matter how good it is, is dealing with that sort of trouble right now. I, I couldn't have seen him going back. He would have been good for the program. He's a good moral guy. You've never seen an issue with him. Uh, you know, you don't see him uh, getting in any kind of trouble. But I just, I didn't see that one happening. You know, yeah. and you make you make a lot of great points. And you know, a thing that, that that I hear all the time is, you don't want to be the guy that follows the legend. You want to be the guy that follows the guy that follows the legend. 
because That's coming in second, you almost got no shot. You know, it just you, you, the odds are against you. But hey, neither here nor there. All speculation. We can talk about it to the cows come home. But the fact of the matter is, Greg Schiano is now in Tampa Bay, Florida, preparing to get make a big draft pick with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and go be a force in the NFC South. My question to you is, on a scale of one to ten, one bust out in a year, ten the next Bill Belichick next. Bill Parcells, whatever you want to call it, where do you think Bill Pelagic, uh Greg Schiano falls in that on that scale of one to ten with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? You know, I, I've thought about that a lot uh, since the hiring. Uh, there's there's a lot to think about. Yeah, it's tough. I want him to do well. I want him to succeed. And I think there are some good young parts in there in Tampa. Uh, I think one of the Tampa's problems, though. One of their big issues is very erratic play from their quarterback. Josh Freeman came in. He looked like he was going to be a good young quarterback. Got it to a good, strong start. And he needs somebody to really work with him. Now, if Greg Schiano can't bring in a good quarterback coach or keep something going there, Schiano is not the guy to work with an offense. Greg Schiano is a defensive coach. He's one of the best in the business. But I have watched quarterback after quarterback come into Rutgers now. We've had Tom Savage, one of the best true freshman seasons. Greg Schiano benches him as a sophomore. We have Dodd and Nova. Neither of them very good. Schiano couldn't make up his mind. He goes, one day we have Dodd, one day we have Nova. You never know what's going on with Greg Schiano. He's not an offensive coach. He needs a good coordinator in there to rebuild uh, Josh Freeman, to retool that offense. But I'll tell you what, that Tampa Bay defense, that's a 10. They are going to play hard. They are going to play Rutgers-style defense, and they are going to get it done. You know, it's funny to hear you hear you mention that. I know, you, like you said, it's very big. You know, who, who's going to be the offensive coordinator? Shiano needs an offensive coordinator to come in. I think he's got the chance. You know, there's a bunch of good guys. You've got Arizona Cardinals assistant John McNulty, Green Bay Packers Ben McAdoo. There's a couple. All worthy candidates. I like Greg Shiano. I respect Greg Shiano. He did a great job at Rutgers. I hate to say it. Sorry. Three years flop out of Tampa Bay. He's not an NFL coach. Well, we'll see about that one as we go along. Uh, and I, I feel like I feel like our time is probably up for tonight's leads. You got any other comments? Anything you want to share with the people? No, I think I've, I think I've voiced enough of my opinion for one hour worth of sports talk. Oh, that's the spirit. All right, my friend. In that case, I do, do believe we are signing off. So stick with us next week when we'll come back and we'll bring to you... Big City Sports, suburban style. That's right. We're Big D in the Sleeves. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Have, Have a good, good one. one.